Hi guys and welcome to Rewind the Movies. This week we're looking back at From Dust Till Dawn, a 1996 American action horror film directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino. The plot follows a pair of American criminal brothers who take a family hostage in order to cross into Mexico, but ultimately find themselves trapped in a saloon, which is where a major twist of the film takes place. Now, if you haven't seen this film, I'd highly recommend watching it before you listen to the podcast because there is a, a huge plot twist in the story. On this episode, it's myself, Andrew Owen, James Pagoda, J.K. Prague, and Evan Quick. Let's just jump straight into the episode. So I do remember the first time I watched this film, and it was a bit of an eye-opener. And I, for the very reason, and spoiler alert here, if you haven't seen this film... There is a major twist in it, and we are going to discuss it. So at least, <laughs> at least go and watch the film, and then come back and listen to us. I but think the- that's the first time you've ever said spoiler alert. But <laughs> <laughs> it goes from being an action slash drama, thriller, drama. I don't know why why you class yeah. the first half as. I call it a thriller. Yeah, to a horror film. Mm. Yeah, or horror action. I remember someone saying to me, oh, I watched this film, really good. It's a bit of a twist, but uh, you know, but they didn't say what it was. And I watched it, and that bit where they where it literally changed into a vampire film, I I was just like, it was blown away. I was just like, what? <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. So you know, where are you go, where have you gone with this? Yeah. It's like um, predi- it's like the predator thing, isn't it? You start off with one story, then massively. Yeah, but I, and it's funny though because I would have watched Predator before, but I never put it. I never put that twist to the same magnitude as what happens in this. I tell you why. Because with Predator, because it's all shit set in the jungle, it still feels like the same film. It's still the same style and tone. With Dust Till Dawn, the first half is very different to the second half. With and in, yeah, and in Predator, you also have that bit of him sort of hunting them. Yeah, you know, he's watching them, so you know something's there, and exactly, and yeah. and you're sort of guessing it's pro- possibly not another like group of humans after them, sort of anyway. Um, but th- this, th- th- there's two elements of this film that I remember vividly from watching it for the first time: the twist, and also. <laughs> <laughs> the pussy scene. No, oh. where he's like, you know, come inside, we got pussy, pink pussy, white pussy, yellow pussy, smelly pussy. Um, yeah, I always remember, like, people just quoting that all the time. I'm going to add a third on that. Go on, then. And her name is Miss Hayak. Oh, she is, Um, she's a very attractive lady. Fucking otherworldly in this film, but That snake was never happier. <laughs> well, but she was Quentin Tarantino was never happy but oh. he had his he had her foot in his mouth. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and, he loves her that, foot. yeah. and she was petrified of snakes, and that did, and Quentin yeah, Tarantino yeah, had to be sort of talked into it on the day. Really? Mm. Yeah. Oh. Come on, what else have people got as regards to memories? Yeah, I I just remember in um in high school this was like the for. I think when I was in year eight, year nine, maybe. Um, this was this was just the talk of the talk of the whole the year. Basically, this this film is like 
you know, you know, saying, "Oh, you've seen that scene," and you know, and and you know, just for. I think this this came out after Pulp Fiction, didn't it? Ninety six, yeah. I think this came out, and I, th- yes. I think I would have been about sixteen, 15. seventeen, watching it. All yeah. right, I I'm so, with you, Ev. I remember like the buzz. It was almost mm-hmm. like a buzz doing the schoolyard, wasn't it, when this came yeah. out? Or when you know when people, someone came in who had seen this and they would say, "You got to watch that film." I think yeah. it was because it was Tarantino, right? And people were already talking about Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. And I know he didn't direct it. It was um, Rod. What's his name? Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but he was heavily involved. You know, he wrote it. Um, so, yeah. you know. Everyone was like, "Oh, it's Tarantino again. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be violent. There's gonna be loads of language in it." And when you're like, a, you know, a teenager, especially you know, a teenage boy, you sort of like crave that sort of film, yeah. don't you? Well, like for for a teen for a teenage boy, it's like it's it's like a perfect, almost a perfect film, isn't it? Like the the violence, the nudity, um, you know, vampires. <laughs> well, hey, if it had everything I would have wanted in a film. Violence, gore, the sexual content. Yeah. When's the last time you'd seen it? It wouldn't be surprised if it was like maybe university, so 20 years ago. I rem- I remember having the, the video, the VHS in uni. P- probably mm. watching you a video then. Well, without me. <laughs> yeah, sneaking <laughs> in, stealing your videos. <laughs> Couldn't have, couldn't have done worse, but it could have been uh, one of us breaking into your room to play Pez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andrew, would, Andrew would come home from uni or work, and one of us would just be sat on his yeah. bed playing his computer. Yeah. He'd locked his bedroom door. <laughs> I, I, the pr- thing is, right, I had no issue with you or Ev sitting on my bed and playing Pez, right? I'm, I'm, for people who don't know, Pro Evolution Soccer. The issue I had was that there was one member of staff, member of staff, there was one member of our household who may sit on the bed in just his pants. And I was just like, if anyone's just sitting on a bed in pants and it's my bed, it's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> so walk in and someone sat there in their pants and their Johnson's hanging out the one leg hole. What a, what a sight. Didn't you used to go into Evan's room to play Monkey Island or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? We did, yeah, we did. I, I, I remember it was Monkey Island too, and I'm, I remember at one point, I think it was, it was probably about eight or nine o'clock at night, where we were stuck on one on one thing. So we walked up to the, we, we where where for the for the listeners out there, where we lived in um, in Treforest, the village around uh, the University of Glamorgan, where we all went to. Um, it was it was a short about five ten minute walk to where the main computer uh open access area was and I remember we got we got stuck on one point on this one bit so both of us walked up to the main computer bit pretended we were studying yet got a walkthrough of of Monkey Island 2 off the university computers and then walked back to the house just to just to complete that bit should should say this was at the time where the internet wasn't readily available on the phones or in every household well yeah for our younger listeners I, yeah. We probably had computers, yeah, but we didn't have the internet. No. When I was younger, and everyone and Prog will know this, but um, I was a big sort of like Lucas Art gaming fan, and I used to play things like Monkey Island quite a bit, and I used to ask my mum if I ever got stuck on a game, and I always she always used to make me like 
weight on it to do this. So I get stuck on it for a couple of days, and I'd be, oh man, can I um can I ring the hotline for a tip? And it was a, the <laughs> Lucas Arts sort of game t- hotline. So you'd ring, and then you'd say, you know, what what game do you want a tip on? And you'd press it, and then it'd say what part of the game, and you press a button. And it probably cost my mum a fortune each call. To, yeah, it's probably in America. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and they, uh, that's how I used to get tips for the game. I bet they made an absolute fortune on them. Ah, of course. Of course they did. You know, there's there's a new one coming out this year. What, a hotline? No, no, no new Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Oh. <laughs> Frog lost interest then. Well, no, never mind. <laughs> oh, did we do you a memories, Prog? Uh, no, similar to you, mate. Yeah. Watching school because people were talking about it. Yeah, I had. I think my reaction was pretty much the same as yours. You boys, just you know, first half you're like, "Oh, this is a good film," and then the second half you're like, "Whoa, where does this come from?" Yeah. Did you ever watch the TV series? No. I watched the first first couple of episodes. It was all right, but um, yeah, I sort of lost interest. What about the sequels? I've definitely yeah. seen one of them. And is one of them a prequel? I don't know. I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I think the one that I seen was a prequel. Mm. Okay. And it, and it's about the Titty Twister Club, obviously. It, yeah. And that's more horror than what these ones are. Mm. I do like that end shot, though. Yeah, it makes it more intriguing, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, because mm. it's obviously based in Mexico and it's sort of like a little... Well, not little, but it's like a sort of, you know, you see those lost worlds and lost cities and whatever. Mm. Right, moving on to favourite aspect then. Anyone want to go first? I'm going to say Quentin Tarantino, and not just for the writing. I am going to give him some props for his acting in this film. I think he found his niche as a psychopathic rapist. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna be remembered for something, go big yeah. or go home. <laughs> no, in in fairness, I think I'm gonna say it now, right? I rewatching it, I was blown away how good the fifth, first fifty minutes were mm. uh, about the two bro- about the brothers. I I think the dialogue and the writing and the setup, I think is I think it's brilliant. There's only one scene I don't like in the first fifty minutes, and we'll touch on that later. Also, I like Quentin Tarantino's acting. I know you. I know we're going to mention it. There's loads of other stuff that's good, but I just thought I, he gets slagged off for his acting because, in fairness, he's not been very good in the stuff that he does. But in this, I think he holds his own. And I just want to give him a shout-out for that. Ev? I do like the, like the relationship between him and George Clooney, but, yeah... I think Clooney for me is really good throughout throughout the film. And I think well, I, so, I knew one of you boys were going to mention that, so that's why I went somewhere yeah. else. It's just just some of like just, just the dialogue he's given, but plus like plus certain certain scenes where like the the main example is when he when he comes back from getting food, um, and and he go he he goes into the hotel room and he opens the bedroom door and he obviously sees what. What Richie Richie has done, and it's all yeah. it's you know, it's his facial expressions and the fact that he re- he realizes that you know he's his his brother's basically a monster, but he can't he can't do anything because it's because he's family, yeah. you know, and it's yeah, it's almost like a cross the bear sort of thing. 
my favorite aspect, um, and we've mentioned the twist, so I'm not going to mention that. But I, I, the, the other favorite, the second favorite aspect uh, uh, for me is the opening scene. In the um, and, and, and I know right. I'm touching on scene here, right? But it's more about how it sets the first fifty minutes and the violence for the film, yeah, or the tone for the film, not the violence. Um, I, I just love that uh, that bit where you, you're watching anything, or it's just a normal scene or a normal sort of um, shop, and then it turns and you get that. Mm. Well, actually, something is, you know. Are, you know, wrong, yeah, and then all of a sudden the copper gets shot in the head, and you're like, "What? Now I know what type of film I'm likely to watch." Yeah, and from a violence point of view, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I've got another aspect, and uh, this Selma Hayek. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring her up in this. Podcast. Is that gonna be that? That's is that gonna be a standing item? Just can know. I just say now, right? Favorite aspect, favorite scene. I'm just gonna say Selma Hayek, right? But that we can we can leave that there now. I've done it. And changes not enough. Selma Hayek. Yes, well done. Yes, <laughs> she dies way too early. <laughs> right, we may as well move on to favourite scene. Um, I'm going to start. I quite like the expedition expedition dump, which is the reporter scene, mm. which is Kelly Kel- Preston. Kelly Preston. Preston. Yeah, where she um she's literally telling the stories of the of the story of the brothers, where they've been, and you know how they've got to where they are. Um, yeah, I just thought I thought it was quite obvious, but at the same time, I, I thought, oh, it's, yeah, they've done it quite well. Done it in an interesting way, you mean? Yeah. 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 And she's interviewing um uh John Saxon, is the FBI guy. Yes. Um, him from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Yeah. Come on, what else have people got? There's not much for me to say on that one. It's just uh, I, I could I, honestly I could pick almost anything from the first 50 minutes. Mm. I, I like I there was one re-watching it this time, one of the scenes I loved that I I um I forgot about was um was just Seth, George Clooney talking to Jacob, Harvey Keitel at the front of the mm. of the minivan yeah. as they drive in. For me, right, I know Ev said about George Clooney as his favourite aspect, right? I think you could tell from this film that George Clooney was going to be a movie star because of how charismatic he is, despite being... I know he's a bank robber, primarily, but he's also like this... He's a horrible man, isn't he? He's like a killer. Mm. But yet, somehow... You know, to, at the end of the film, certainly you kind of rooted him for him to get out of it, mm. and I, I, for, I, I just, I just related to that scene in the in the in the front of the van because of the way George Clooney is acting, like the way he sat, you know, he's like sort of lounged out, but he's facing a different way to Jacob, and I, you know, I don't know if that was uh, Robert Rodriguez directing and blocking. The way he's positioned the characters to show conflict between them because they're facing different directions, but it's the way George Clooney sits and the way he presents himself. I don't know why, but that scene I really like that this time around. But like I said, anything in the first fifty minutes, and of course, Salma Hayek. I got another scene. Yeah, and it's when Fred Williams, who's the big black dude. He's telling his Nam story, and all of a sudden, sex machine's fingers come up over his shoulders. 
<laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and that, that old sort of like Nam story is, a, is absolutely a pile of shit, but it, it does make me laugh. Well, by the sounds of it, I think he killed about 25 people. Single <laughs> he kills like the entire camp, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But, but then he's, do, he's doing the actions after it. He's like, right, stab, 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 grab him in the headlock, stab, stab, you know, break a neck, stab, stab. It's like, and Fred Williams, he's a massive sort of, um, he's a massive movie star. Not not so much by the time this film came out, but like back in the day, um, so like seventies. What's the what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Progreno, you know, exploitation. That's the one, yeah. He was massive. He did loads of those type of films. But he used to be an American football player as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. another reason why he's massive. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd quite like the, the scene, um, well, the, the start, the opening scene. Um, and I, it, I quite like how you how you meet like the, the various people in the, in the bar as well. Like you have Sex Machine and his, and his massive gun, you know, his crotch gun. And then, cock, and then, like, cock gun, Ed. come on, cock. yeah, cock, cock gun. All right, his fucking dick gun. Um, and then, then you got like the the mari the mariachi band who are going a bit mental, and then you've got like you know the Vietnam vet on one table, and you know, and you know, various various people like that. Quite, yeah. Um, let's kill the band. <laughs> I love that. Band. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where did they get that like guitar person from? What the the lead singer? No, no, no. Like all of a sudden they're like a mariachi band. Oh yeah, they are. They, they all yeah. turn into vampires and yeah. one of their guitars turns into a like a human body. Yeah. How do they have time to make it? It's just like <laughs> oh fuck. The the other thing, right? You know when it changes into um the vampire film and Danny Trejo's character gets killed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So and he, he he's on a pool table, isn't he? And this time I, the first time I've ever noticed this. His his eyeballs roll out yeah. of his head and into the pockets. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, I hope I never noticed that before. Also, I also I got I, I got to mention um, Selma Hayek again. Um, but the but Clooney's facial expressions when she's dancing on the table, oh, it's just so it's so funny. But uh, my facial expressions when I was watching it. It's ridiculous, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's just yeah. ridiculous. Taking away from the, I, I know we're taking away from the fact that she's, a, she's, she is a really good actress. She must be one of the most beautiful women in any film during that scene. I, I, I struggle to think of many who have, who have been sexier. I want to say. All right, let's move on to changes then. I'm gonna counter prog here. One of my changes is I would change Tarantino. Okay. Um, I, I don't like him as... And going back to what Prog said earlier, you know, Tarantino does get um, critics about his... or criticised about his acting. And I think you've got to remember, I don't think he's a classically trained actor. I could be wrong on that. But... Um... No, he, he, did, he did try to become an actor, didn't he? But he... Found himself in script writing. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just would, I personally would have liked to see someone else in it. Um, but but it. you know, I, I give him some credit. He, he, you know, he, he does reasonably well. I just find him at times a bit. I don't even know what the word is. 
just a, and I, I pick this up on a lot of films he does, but there's just something about his acting style. Maybe it just doesn't work for me. I am. Um, I'm not saying he's amazing, nor that I wouldn't change him. I, the only reason I brought him up at the beginning is because he always gets slagged, but I think he's actually good in this film. That's... Uh, yeah, and, and, and cre- you know, give him some credit, and I will give that. I don't think he's awful. He's not the worst person in this film, acting-wise, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just would have liked to have seen someone else in it, but I don't know who. So You haven't got anything about who could have been cast? or No, I haven't, actually. I wonder if one of the Pulp Fiction guys could have got in there. What about Michael Madsen? Madsen, Tim Roth. I would have wanted to see someone like Steve Buscemi in it, but maybe I'm just getting that a bit confused. Also with his Con Air role. <laughs> well, get Nicholas Cage in it then, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I reckon. I, do you know what I reckon happened? Right, I reckon Quentin wrote the script because him and Robert Rodriguez were getting pally at the time, and Quentin wrote the script. Said, "I got this for you." But Quentin had wrote the scene where Richie sucks Selma Hayek's toes. And I think Quentin was like, I wrote this for you, but I would like to play this part if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it has to be Selma Hayek, please. Yeah. yeah. All comes all comes back to Selma Hayek. <laughs> yeah. He only got paid fifteen hundred dollars, didn't he? For the script for this. For his script. Yeah, for yep. But he got paid. He probably got paid acting. as an actor as well, didn't he? And uh, yeah, what that what that is though, probably is that they couldn't afford, or they they didn't want to pay him two salaries, two massive salaries. So they said, "We'll give you one or the other." A bit like when they brought on Shane Black to write to, to help um, write Predator as it went along. Yeah, probably him in as an acting role, which he did quite well in. Um, yeah, they do it all the time, don't they? Just yeah. ways of getting round bloody unions and whatnot. My main change is actually from my favorite section of the film, it's in the first 50 minutes, but it's the diner scene with Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis and Ernest Liu. I wouldn't have that scene, I would just cut it completely. And I would have your introduction to that family as they're driving into the motel. Yeah. Because I think all the exposition for that family, you get, and it's better when George Clooney's character is sat at the front of the van with Harvey Keitel's character. Yeah, it's a good show, that. I, I, I have an issue anyway, right? And it's not so much with the writing... But I have an issue with Juliette Lewis and the person who plays Scott. I can't remember. Ernest Lou. Yeah. They're, they're two of my chain, other changes. I think Juliette Lewis at times is, is a little bit wooden. And I hate saying that about actors because, you know, Juliette Lewis, she's... A good actress. She's good. She is good. She's good. And, and sometimes it, it is a little bit about her style. But... um. But Scott, I think, is even worse. I, I, oh, I just don't get don't get that character at all. I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I, I get why he's there, but yeah. yeah, he's very he's very cheesy at the end. Where where like 
he says like the the, G, the Jesus Christ bit or whatever just before he kills Jacob. It's a bit like. Well, I, I was going to ask you boys about this, right? Because I don't know whether I put it in my changes or not. But the dialogue when they're actually fighting the vampires does feel different to the, the rest of the film. And I don't know if that's intentional to keep in, to keep in, you know, uh, the same style as the film now is being a horror. It's almost like a B movie, isn't it? It goes into B movie territory with the blood and guts and vampire so, elements. So do you think like Tarantino wrote like a good chunk of the first element, and then someone else had come in and wrote the dialogue for for that? Well, I. Growing up, I, I always thought that Tarantino had written the first half of the script and Robert Rodriguez had wrote the second half of the script, and that's why the film changes so like it's it's such a, a sharp change. But if you look at writing credits, it's it's pretty much just Tarantino. Tarantino's screenplay. So what I'm getting at is we all know that Tarantino is an extremely talented writer. So I'm wondering whether the shift in plot is so extreme, does that lead to Tarantino writing the dialogue different? Possibly, yeah. Because there's some, some of the dialogue in the second half I, I'm not keen on. I, it, it falls a little flat, and I think that's going towards you two saying about the, the kids. I, I, and maybe you, maybe you have got a point, because you know if you are writing a more action-based slash horror film, you haven't got the opportunity for the long, meaningful dialogue. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it, tends, it tends to be a lot sharper and quicker. I, I uh, <laughs> Here's a question for you, right? What happens if they'd gone out there, Scott now, right? He's got a super soaker and condoms f- full of water. What if he'd gone out there and holy water didn't make a jack piece of shit against the, the vampires? <laughs> <laughs> he would have been fucked straight away, wouldn't he? I, I know, know he died anyway, but he, draw, he draws the he draws the short straw in terms of weapons, doesn't he? Like you know, Seth has obviously got his got he's got his gun plus that big massive, um, you know, like jackhammer, jack, spike. yeah, yeah, pneumatic <laughs> steak or whatever. Jacob's got his got his pump action shotgun. Um, the, Juliet Lewis has got a crossbow, and what's he got? A fucking water pistol. He's a kid yeah. giving the super soaker. I know, yeah. The thing is, though, in that situation, would you actually want to leave the room? Well, just stay in there till it gets light. Then, then mm-hmm. come back. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? They didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. I would have just, I would have just knocked Harvey Keitel off and waited for the light. The. But then again, I suppose they they couldn't get the light in the actual titty twister until they started shooting the walls out. Yeah, I suppose. Mm. There's lots of inconsistencies, I think, as well, with the um, the vampires' deaths. Like, some get their heads chopped off. Like, Sex Machine gets his head chopped off, doesn't he? And then he turns into a dog. Some oh, of them yeah. seem what's, to get... What's with that? Yeah, some of them seem to get, like, I don't know. He's a devil hound. It looks like looks like the thing mixed with American Werewolf in London. Just like... <laughs> yeah, it but you get what I mean. There's just some inconsistencies throughout. Some seem to die a certain way. Some others... You know, didn't bother them at all. Um, 
a bit of a fact on it, right? That the filmmakers decided to give the vampires green blood in order to get around the R rating, or they wanted it to be R rated. If yeah. if that blood had been red and the amount of blood that would have been on screen, they probably wouldn't have got an R rating. Uh, what would they have classed it X rated? I think, yeah. Any other changes, Jeff? No, I got. I, I I just got a couple of comment, general comments, really. Um, it's, it's difficult to. Uh, because I, I, I think the first half is actually a, an extremely good film. Yeah. And I, I part of me wishes that you had just stayed with that film for the for the the other the second half. But it's hard for me to criticize the second half of the film because it is what it is. It's just it's just good fun. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't think you meant to think about it. The only issue I have is is because is is set up in such a way that like you become emotionally invested or to a certain degree you become invested in the characters one way or another, depending on whether they're the Harvey Keitel family or they're the brothers. And then this thing happens in the middle, and it's just like, oh well, all that's out the window. No, it's just a question of, you know, let's just watch them ripping these vampires apart. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you've got to just enjoy the film and not yeah. worry too much yeah. about it. Yeah. It's it's just just the little things I want I, I want to mention. Like it's a proper B movie feel, like like Death Proof, which is obviously another Robert Rodriguez film. I think that was the point, though, wasn't it? Death Proof oh. is Quentin Tarantino's film. Is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Planet Terror. Was the Planet Terror was Robert Rodriguez because they did right. a double bill, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah, but it, you you get nods to like the same universe as like Pulp Fiction and you know the other films like that work because Michael Parks who plays the sheriff at the start he's the same sheriff in Kill Bill, uh, it's the same character. Um, obviously you got Big Kahuna Burger. Um, that sorry, but I, I I don't know this. How can he be the same character because Kill Bill's set later and he dies in yeah. Last Till Dawn. Yeah, well it's according to IMDb he he plays Earl McGraw. In both films, no, he, he does, and yeah, I don't think it's ever been sort of mentioned, but it's implied then, or people assume that um, this comes after Kill Bill. Yeah, in in the universe timeline, let's put it that way. That doesn't make sense. Is mobile phones in Kill Bill? Don't know. Just it, it just a, if you if you look at you look at IMDb in the in the um uh in the character. Uh, listing even in even in Grindhouse, Death Proof, and Planetary, he's Earl McGraw. You know um, what? I'll excuse it. I'll excuse it if they say father son, and they've got the same name. Well, this is the thing in Kill Bill, he has a son with him, doesn't he? No, no. What I mean is Michael Parks plays the mm. father in this in Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, and then he he plays the son. All oh, right, okay. Bill, Bill, and then yeah. he has another actor play his right, son. Okay, yeah, oh, I get you. Um, I'll excuse yeah. you if that's the case. Otherwise, mm. shocking, shocking. <laughs> um, Cheech Marin, he's definitely earning his money in this film. He plays three, like three roles. Three, yeah, yeah, three. Oh. I, 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 but I don't understand the reasoning for it. What? Just... Like, wh- why? They're giving him three roles, right? And it's not like he's got hev- heavy makeup or prosthetics on. He's, he's just the same guy. How dare you? <laughs> he looks exactly the same. He might have a, a little bit of longer hair in one scene. 
on one character. Uh, I'll tell you what this is, right, Brett? This is your ignorance of the Mexican dialect. <laughs> what you don't realise is that he's got three different accents. The regional subtleties that you're not noticing. Yeah, whatever. Next you'll be saying <laughs> there are actually three different actors, but you're just a racist and all you see uh, <laughs> yeah. Mexicans all look the same. <laughs> yeah, he plays uh, the border agent, um, the guy yeah. outside the titty, t- titty t- twister, get my words out, yeah. and then Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and I didn't realise, the guy who plays Sex Machine, he's a, he's a makeup artist for films. Oh, he yeah. Does, Tom, does special um, effect. Tom Savini. Yeah, he did um, Friday the 13th and loads of other films. Yeah. And this is one of the issues I have, again, with the film. And Prog's touched on it. You know, the, the, the second half of the film does go a little bit outlandish. And Sex Machine... <laughs> he adds like a comedy element to the film for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's quite camp, I think. He's got like a campy Bollywood feel about, about it. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but it, look, I, I, I brought that up in changes. But ultimately, uh, there's not much I would change about this film. We got some nitpicks here. But... Plus, the, um, the band is actually, well, it's, it's members of a. Of a proper band called Tito and Tarantula, the, the oh, um, yes. yeah, the the lead singer is is Tito, um, and the uh, Robert Rodriguez is actually part of that band as well. Mm. Ah. He, lo- he loves his guitar music, oh, doesn't he, Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. They're not the Doritos El Mariachi band then. <laughs> oh. I gotta say that song. That sorry to go back to the Selma Hayek scene, but the, the actual song that they play is brilliant for that scene, isn't it? Mm. Really good piece of music. While I was um, doing a bit of research for this, I did look up sort of like Juliette Lewis's filmography, and you know she's done some really good films. But the really random thing I didn't know about her, who mm. her dad was. So if you don't know, just jump on quickly to Google and type in Jeffrey Lewis. And he is the sort of oh. actor that you oh would recognise straight away. He was in um, Any Which Way But Loose, wasn't he? He was in both of them. You know, so which, how do you, how do you, how do you, is it Jeffrey with a G or Jeffrey with a G? Yeah, G. G. Uh, you know how many kids? He's got nine kids. <laughs> he really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He has been in loads, hasn't he? Yeah, he's in Tango and Cash. Oh, my God. His filmography goes on for days. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? He's in the Lone War Man. Lone War Man. But he, isn't he just the type of actor you think, I recognise him, but I couldn't tell you where he'd I, been in. He's been in X-Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in Fletch Lives as the Ku Klux Klan leader. Oh, he's been in Maverick. we got to do that film. I thought you meant Maverick as in the new Top Gun film. <laughs> There's only one Maverick film, but... Oh, the Mel, the Mel Gibson one. Yeah. The Mellow Gibbo one. It is a good film. Oh, he died, so he can't be in Maverick. He died about seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I was one. I was wondering why um his filmography stopped at a certain year. Oh, I've got a I've got a change or oh, an issue. You just you just reminded me. How where how was it at such a lack of bouncers at the Titty Twister? 
you got all those semi-naked, gorgeous women, and it's all buckers and bikers and truckers going to that bar. You'd have so many problems with groping and guys trying to get hold of whatever they can get hold of. How is it's only like cheech on the door, and then one guy in side. Now that guy who was as wide as he is tall. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I, I know uh, Trey, you could have uh, sorted a few of them out, but um, mm. yeah, just 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 him alone, he'd, he'd give you the stare, wouldn't he? Mm, yeah. Come on, then let's wrap this up by asking the final question. Ev, would you recommend? Yes. Prog. Yes, I would. I would as well. I think it's a, a thoroughly enjoyable film. Yeah. And I think you've got to take the second half of it. Um, with a sort of pinch of salt and just enjoy it, but um, yeah, I think it's really good, yeah. and I'm glad we went back and watched it. I am as well because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have reappraised the first half, and felt and uh, realized how good it was. No, it is. Who, whose suggestion was this? I can't remember. It might have been mine. Oh, I could be wrong. Praise the was... heavens. I don't <laughs> think it was um a recommendation. So. So, box office, 19 million budget, return just shy of 60 million. So, times three. Mm. Does have a bit of a, I think, a B movie feel about it, though. Mm. Yeah, we mentioned this already. So, and, you know, the R rating wouldn't have helped it in the, in the cinema. Um, Tarantino sort of violence and what have you. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there at this time who would have been dead against this type of film. So um, I, you know, it made forty million. Probably made I don't know, however much more on top of that from VHS sales and and then the TV series later on. So did his did his job, didn't it? Yeah, and it, you know, it spawned a couple of sequels at least. So, all right. So, podcasts come out every Wednesday. Check us out on social media. Check out our YouTube channel. And if you want us to do a, a specific film in the future, just let us know. Cheers, all.